Well, hey, we're glad to have you here. Thank you, church. Thank you for joining us online. And uh, let me just say this. Uh, we're praying for a lot, of, a lot of our church members. We know there's a lot of uh, people just going through varieties of sicknesses. And uh, with the weather here in Florida, uh, for those who are watching who are not in Florida, I mean, it's just like 80 degrees one day and then 40 degrees the next day. And so I just wish it would make up its mind or maybe God would make up his mind. Like, just, just give us some consistency, Jesus. Help us out. Uh, but we're glad you're here. We're uh, in part four of our series called Take... Uh, the land, and I'm going to jump into a lot of scripture today, and so if you have your Bibles out, uh, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1, and uh, you can kind of hang out there. We're going to read through Deuteronomy a little bit, but we're going to get into Joshua chapter 1, and so uh, a lot of scripture today again, and so bear with me as I read through this scripture, but that is why we've gathered today to uh, read the scriptures aloud, amen, and, and to learn and to grow, and so if you have your Bible at home, you can grab that and turn to Joshua chapter 1. So take the land, uh, part 4, uh, titled this topic today or, or the sermon today uh, is what are you muttering? And um, I'm going to just going to challenge you with that question again today. Some of you don't even know what muttering is, but you'll find out today. So the question is, what are you muttering? What are you muttering? Can I pray for us today as we unpack um, what God wants to teach us today? Father, um, as we sit here and open your word today, uh, Father, we're so thankful for this word. And we're thankful that you would put it in writing and that we could uh, study it and read it and all so that we could come to know you um, better and know your love for us. And I pray, Father, that every word that is spoken and um, it would fall on good soil, God. And I pray that uh, it, would, it would really take root in our heart today and um, you would put us on a firm foundation of a, a love for your word and a love for you and a devotion to you so that we would just praise you and praise you and praise you um, out of a right heart. You would help us to thirst and, and hunger for righteousness, God. So we pray that uh, this, this love for your word would just be planted in this church today, that you would just take the seed of love for your word and put it inside of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I want to show you a map. We'll, we'll point to this just to remind you where we are in this series and what we're doing. So this is the map we put up last week. We're talking about this journey of this nation of Israel that goes through this desert season. They go through it for 40 years. We, we talked about that last week a little bit. And over the past couple of weeks, if you want to go back and listen, uh, you can do that. But uh, we, we talked about how they traveled through this land for 40 years. They go through all these different places and learn all these wonderful lessons. And God taught them so many incredible things, and he uh, brought great miracles through this season. And so now, uh, where we are today is we're not going to go through all of uh, all the lessons that they want, that they learned in the wilderness, but today we're going to start to enter into the promised land. I told you at the very beginning, we're going to go on a journey together, and, and the Lord was like inviting you and, and me on this journey with the Israelites to find out what we can learn from them about God and, and what we can do and, and take that into our lives. And so if you want to learn all the lessons that they learned and go back and read, just go read the first five books of the Bible. Well, you can 
start with Exodus. If you want to skip the first one, you can do that. But uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, a lot of that. You, you'll find all the lessons that they learned in the traveling of the desert season. But we're going to skip a lot of those lessons, and we're going to jump now kind of in today into they begin to take this land of promises that God has promised. And you have to remember uh, the whole purpose of this. This is so important. And so uh, I always encourage you really to take notes and write some things down on the back of your notes or in your phones or wherever you put your notes at, because uh, this is so important that you remember the whole purpose of this journey ultimately was, was for two reasons uh, that I think could really narrow it down. One was that the people would come to know God better. He wanted to reveal himself to, to this nation. He, he wanted them to know who he was, but then he also wanted to reveal himself through the nation so that all the other nations that the world would come to know him. That was really what it was all about. I want you to know me. I want you to know my love for you. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know how I operate. And so that's the reason he does this. So they go through this uh, desert season. They're in there for 40 years. Now they're going to go into this promised land. And it wasn't about just geography. It wasn't just so they would have a geographical place. It wasn't just that. It was ultimately strategically geographically placed, which we'll probably talk about more next week. But the strategy of where God placed them and why he put them where he put them was very, very intentional. But ultimately, it was so they would come to know him, and they would grow in their knowledge of him, and the world would know him. That was the real reason behind this whole thing. And so they go into this promised land, and, and many of us don't have land necessarily that, that we're after per se, uh, but we're after purposes and plans and, and God's will for our lives so we can take their promised land stuff and say, okay, what does God want to do in my life or through me? And so we're taking the principles that God taught them and applying it to our life. All right, so here we are, Deuteronomy uh, 31 is where we're going to be. Verse 6 is where we're going to start. Moses is, uh, is passing away soon. And he's going to be 120 years old, and so it's time for him to go. And uh, Joshua, his successor, is coming up, and this is where we pick up, all right? So I'm going to read uh, straight through verse 6 through 13. All right, it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. This is Moses talking to Joshua, because Joshua's about to take uh, the lead of this nation, okay? Don't be afraid or terrified because of them, all right? For the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Well, then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all of Israel, be strong and courageous again, he says. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he'll be with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. Notice the repetition over and over again. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Verse 9. So Moses wrote down this law, and he gave it to the Levitical priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, in the year of canceling debts, during the festival of tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose, you shall read this law before them in their hearing. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your towns, so they can listen and learn. Now, I love to kind of sometimes write in my Bible. I know for some of you are like, oh, you're writing your Bible. Yeah, I write in my Bible. I love to circle things. So if you have your Bible or if you have your phone app, highlight these, highlight these words that I'm putting in bold, okay? Listen and learn. 
And the purpose of listening and learning is to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. It says their children, their children who do not know this law must hear it. This isn't a debate. This isn't a let them decide. They must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land, you are crossing the Jordan to possess. I want this to go on as long as you possibly live. Listen is the Hebrew word shama, which means to hear with implication of obedience. I want you to understand that when he says, I want you to listen and learn, what he is saying is, I want you to listen with the implication of obedience. This isn't just listening for listening's sake. If I told you, uh, you said, how do you make a certain meal? And I gave you the instructions. When you, when you get on your, your app and you look up all recipes, and you look up some recipes, you, you don't listen to the instruction uh, with an intention of, of cooking some other way. Do you? That would make no sense. No, you, you, you listen to the instruction of the recipe with the implication, I'm going to do what the recipe says to do. How many of you look up recipes and then decide somewhere in the middle of another, oh, I'm just going to change it and do something else. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow the recipe. So I'm listening with the intention of doing something with it and following its instruction. So this isn't just coming and like sitting and listening. This is coming and sitting and listening with the implication that I'm going to actually do Whatever it is that's instructed for me to do, I'm going to obey it. That was the implication behind it. So Moses simply tells the nation, and he reads the law to them so they can get to know Christ. God is saying, read this law so they can get to know me. And as they get to know me, they're going to know my love for them. And as they discover my love for them, they in turn are going to have respect and love for me. Because the word fear here, if you see the word fear in verse 12, fear the Lord, is to have a reverence, it's to have love, it's to have respect, it's to have honor. And the more you get to know Christ, the more you get to know me, God says, the more you're going to honor me. Because you're going to know how much I love you. That we love him because he first loved us. So, the reason for reading is when you read and heed, and I just made that rhyme, but that's the reason why I chose the heed. I know we don't talk about, have you, have you, you didn't heed me, okay, but, but it rhymes, so it's a little stickier. But when you read and heed God's word, you come to know God better. Like this is the reason we read the word. We read the word of God to get to know God better. We don't read out of obligation. We don't read for salvation. We read because it reveals Christ to us. And we don't just read it so we can say we read it. We read it in order to heed it. So I want you to think about the word of God in a way as, like I said a minute ago, if you were preparing a meal, go and read God's word. Not just for historical sake, not just for uh, what does it say, not, not just for it, but to take it and say, whatever I read today, I'm going, to, I'm going to heed it. I'm going to obey it. I'm going to follow it. That's the purpose of reading God's word. This is what God tells Moses to tell the nation. And I want you to continue this uh, throughout the entire time that you take this land. I want you to hold on to this and I want you to do it. 
But it wasn't just Moses who was commanded. I want you to notice to write down the law. Look at verse 9 again. If you could put it back up. Moses wrote down this law. You say, well, what law did he write down? Most likely, seems to be clear, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. If you have a Bible in your hand, just flip over through all of those books in the Bible and just go home and rewrite every single word there. Now, I want you to follow me that God says, now, Moses, I want you to write down this law. Okay? So Moses would go and he would write it down. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he would start writing until he got to the end of the law. How many of you know that the more you write something, the more you retain it? Right? So Moses is told to go write it down. Here's what's pretty incredible. It wasn't just Moses that was told to write it down. Look at Deuteronomy 17. It says, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, now he's talking to future kings of Israel. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law. So future kings, you also need to write the first five books of what we call the Torah, what was called the Torah, uh, the first five books of the Bible. You need to write this thing down too. If you want to become the king, write this down. And then he says, taken from the Levitical priests, he says it is to be with him. It is to also be read all the days of his life. That is every single day. If you're going to become the king, you need to read it every day. So that he may learn to revere. That's the same word for fear or to have respect or to have honor. It's the same purpose. His God and follow carefully all the words. Notice the same language. Follow carefully all the words of the law and those decrees. And not consider himself better. Don't be all puffed up just because you read this thing. No, you're not better than your fellow Israelites. Turn from the law to the right. Don't do that. Stay steady. Stay the course. Stay on the path. And then he says, then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. So God was putting into practice in the place for leaders of a nation. If you want to lead my people, you must read and study my word daily. Why? So that you will know me and you'll follow me. Puts this into practice. You say, well, praise God that I'm not Moses, and I don't have to write down Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Thank God I don't have to do that. Okay, but I'm not a king, so I don't, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a priest, so therefore, I'm so happy I don't have to write this thing down. But I just want you to know you're, you're out of luck. Because look at what Deuteronomy 6 says. And here's my kind of proposal to you. I want you to think about this. This is not just for, look, God tells Moses, I want you to write down the copy of the law. Joshua, you're going to have to write down the copy of the law too because you're going to become the king as well. And all future kings, you're going to have to write down this thing. So just so you know, you're not off the hook if you're a follower of Jesus. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, I'm talking to the nation. I'm talking to all two million plus of you. I'm talking to every parent, grandmother, all, everybody. I'm talking to all of you. Here's what he says. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today. This is, not a, this is not a ask. I'm telling you, this is a command. I'm telling you to do this. And here's what he says. Ready? Impress them on your children. Impress them. Impress what? The commandments of God. Impress this law on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. 
talk about the scripture when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So all day long, I want you to talk about this. And he says, tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now the word impress in Hebrew means to make a mark. So I want you to talk about this word so much that it makes a mark on your children. Imagine something being branded or stamped or sealed on somebody. I want you to speak about it so that it makes a mark. Evidently, reading the scripture was important to God. It was for Moses, it was for Joshua, it was for all kings, and it was for every single person. You must read this word and then talk about it. He wanted his leaders to read it, wanted the nation to read it, and to talk about it everywhere they went. And here's the incredible part. They were to do this by memory. They were to do it by memory. They did not have Bible apps. And they didn't have Google. And not everybody could go down to a local store and buy a copy. So they would do this. Most people would do this. A few select people would have a copy of the law. But most had to do it by memory. And you would talk about it so much that you memorized it. That's how you're able to talk about it when you wake up and when you lie down and when you're walking in the streets and when you're going into work or when you're driving in the... This is why you constantly talk about it because it's inside of you. It's pretty incredible what they were told to do. Here's a truth that I want you to understand that we can't mutter what we can't memorize. I believe one of the greatest arts that's been lost in the local church is memorizing scripture. We're so used to just Googling it. We don't even know where it is, but that's okay. Just Google it. The importance of having it inside of you so you can speak it wherever you are. What God is speaking to this nation, if you're going to take this land, you're going to need my word to always be inside of you for every situation that you find yourself in throughout the day. And I want it to be in you. And I want you to impress it on your children. So interesting to me today that so many parents, and I found this over almost a decade of doing youth ministry, that I would just let my child, you know, uh, determine their own path. Many parents, one of the most common things I would hear is, I don't want to shove it down their throat, or if I talk about it too much, I'm so scared they're going to rebel. Many parents still deal with that fear, that if I force them, then one day they'll leave it. I was actually told that one time by a teenager, don't you know that if you force it down your own children's throat, Pastor Ricky is what they said, that, that, that they're going to turn? And you know what I said? The Lord rebuke you. And she was like 14 years old in the backseat of my car. Talk about putting fear in a little 14-year-old girl's eyes. The Lord would be, or I was like, get behind me, Satan. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the Satan that's working through you. My children will know the Lord, and I will impress them on my children. You know, it's interesting when you just think about how foolish it is to not impress the word of God on your children. I want you to imagine never telling your child to look both ways. 
No, 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 better yet, better yet. Just, just tell them once and then never tell them again. You know what parents do to save their children's lives? You constantly scream at your children, look both ways. All the time. I live in a neighborhood that's really congested and all, car, 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 car. And you know what parents are doing in that minute? You're trying to make a mark so that when you're not looking, they look both ways. And you never once thought to yourself, but if I say it too much, I'm scared they're just going to dart off one day. <laughs> How foolish. How foolish it is. How you could be so tricked by Satan to say, I'm not going to put too much of God's word because if I do, they might dart off into the road. So I'll say it once and then we'll just take our chances. I propose to you, I hope that you would say, car, car, car. And like you say, look both ways, look both ways. I hope that you impress upon your children what God is speaking to the nation. Impress this word on your children. Press the word on your children. My heart is broken this morning, received a text message last night around 10 o'clock. Didn't know this until 10 o'clock or so last night. A friend of mine texted me a, an article um, of an elementary school in Ohio. Maybe you've heard of this. It's only about a day old or so. That um, the second satanic after-school club has been opened in Ohio. And uh, I read some of the article and watched some videos just to make sure it wasn't gossip. And it pans out it wasn't. And then they, I listened to an interview of the person who's a part of it. And they said, in no way are we worshiping Satan. And we don't um, just trying to come into Satan, but we really want to stand up against all things that are authority. And it's just this whole, you know, thing. And, and here's, the, here's the kicker. Are you ready? Children showed up to the first one. And there's kids who are meeting in a satanic club in our local schools, and the argument is, well, if these clubs can, then we can. Parents, you need to impress these things on your children. Don't live in fear that if they hear it too much, they'll run. In fact, I propose to you say Jesus more than you say car car. Teach them about the love of God. Impress them on your children. Notice it doesn't say when they're 18 or they're adolescent. Impress them from the very beginning. Do this all the days of your life, he says. Now, the reason God is saying this is that this would be so critical to take the land that God had for them. Why? Good news. Moses writes down why this is so important. Deuteronomy 11 verse 8 says, Observe, therefore, all the commands that I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you're crossing, the Jordan, to possess, and so that you may live along in the land. The Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants a land flowing of milk 
and honey. The word observe is the same Hebrew word, shamar, comes from the same root, which means to keep or to give heed to. So when he's saying the same thing in Deuteronomy 11 that he said in Deuteronomy 31, I want you to observe. I want you to do. I want you to keep. I want you to heed. Heed the commands that he's giving today. Pay careful attention to them. Act on them. Don't just read them. Do them. And here's what he says. This is so important for the church today. He says, I want you to do this so you can get strengthened. You can be strengthened. It's the Hebrew word, uh, hazak, okay, or hazak, which means to be strengthened or to be strong, to prevail or to grow strong. So I want you to think about a nation who's trying to gain strength. If you want to think about working out and building muscle, I want you to read this and I want you to do it so that you gain muscle in your spiritual life. And as you gain the strength that you need, you'll be able to accomplish the task that I have for you to take this land. So Moses tells Joshua, Joshua, I've learned something for the past 40 years. I've been leading this nation. I've seen some things. I understand some things. And I want you to know this. There's a direct correlation between reading God's word, observing this law, heeding the word of God, and my strength to carry out his will. One of the reasons I propose to you why many people, maybe yourself, might be struggling when it comes to fulfilling the plans that God has for your life is because you've lost your strength. And the reason why you lose your strength is because you aren't simply reading and heeding God's word. Which is why the enemy wants to take your time. If I can occupy your time, I take you away from the most important thing Time in his word, because it is where you gain strength. Just in case Joshua would forget this lesson, after Moses passes on, God speaks directly to Joshua, almost just to remind him as he takes over the nation. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, he says. Because you will lead these people into inherit the land. And of course, when Joshua hears God speaking it, he's recalling back, his Moses, his leader, who, who once said this as well. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law. The same language my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Four words that I want to unpack the word keep is the word mush. It's pronounced mush. M-U-S. Shall not depart. So keep. Don't let this depart. Meditate is haga. I've done a whole message on that. H-A-G-A. It's the Hebrew word. means to mutter. To say something in a low or barely audible voice. It's basically what you say when you're mad at your spouse. It's how you talk when you're mad at them. Man, if you don't talk about, talking about it, when, you, when you're frustrated with your spouse or your wife, you might, or you, you know, you're, you're frustrated in an, in an atmosphere where you can't really say what you want to say, but you just mutter it to yourself. I want you to, to mutter this, he says, to meditate, to mutter it, to roll it over the tongue, speak it. And it says the word careful is the same Hebrew word a minute ago, samar, just a different root, but it's the same principle. I want you to obey everything in it, to keep, to give heed, pay careful attention to, and then you'll be prosperous. 
then you'll make progress. Then you'll make the advancement. Then you'll be able to take the land that I have for you in context. Then verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I'm commanding you. Not not asking, I'm telling you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The word afraid here is to tremble. And the word discouragement means to break down or be beat down by confusion or fear. Why does all this matter? Because I think this is so important in our churches today. And I hope it encourages you and reminds you of something. That if you're living in fear of discouragement, what he's saying is, listen, you're going to be so tempted. This is just imagine, Joshua, you're going to go in and take over nations and land. And this is going to be challenging. This is going to be hard. But I want you to understand, if you stay attached to my word and you mutter it, Jesus says, go with me or wherever I go, wherever you place You told me that I would promise. And wherever God was spoke to me, if you do that, you'll get through every single situation in your life that you need in order to take the land that I have for you. God, you're with me wherever you go. Your lamp is a feeling right into my path. And I'll never forsake you. Never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Thank you, came down. If you do that, you will take the land that I have promised you. The reason God emphasizes the reading and heeding of his word was not just that he would, he would have strength and courage, but I want you to notice, but also, this is so important, that they wouldn't tremble when they were harassed by their enemy. They wouldn't tremble when they were harassed by their enemy. They wouldn't break down when fear was all around them. They wouldn't lose hope when it feels like all is hopeless. They wouldn't give up when they felt like quitting. They wouldn't walk away from their faith in God when it seemed like there was just no way possible. And the way in which they were going to overcome all of those situations. You were with me wherever you guys. You told me you promised me that just so you'd be with me, just so I was with Moses. And so when I'm marching around this building and I know the trumpets are blaring and I'm wondering if the walls are going to come down, you promised me that you would give me the land wherever my place is, but you'd be with me just like I was with Moses. When the enemy and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all these people are coming up, this is what he was told to do. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You were the creator and the maker of all things. Don't you imagine muttering those things to yourself? Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. For I'm with you wherever you go. God, you are always with me. You never leave me. You never abandon me. Whenever it feels like all things are breaking loose in there, all hell is breaking loose against you. He says, hold on to my word so hell doesn't get the best of you. In fact, when you begin to do this, you begin to break down the walls that hell are trying to build up. He loves his people so much and he wants them to utter it. In other words, he tells Joshua, you must mutter my word and if you're going to take the land, it will be your lifeline. And when all hell breaks loose, this is in other words on you, Joshua, it will keep hell from breaking you down. When you feel like you're utterly alone, these words that you mutter 
remind you that you're not. When everything seems so stressful and worrisome and all things are coming against you, it is muttering my word that will get you through those scenarios. The faith lesson we can learn from this is what we mutter matters. Evidently to God, what we mutter matters. I want a couple of statistics to you, and then I'll let you interpret, and you just tell me if you think what we mutter in our world matters. In June 2020, the CDC released data that suggested one in four adults eight, ages 18 to 24 have considered suicide. One in four. Harvard Youth Poll reported out of the 2,500 people that they took, ages 18 to 29, young Americans said that at least several days in the past two weeks, they had felt down, depressed, or hopeless. What we mutter matters. In a 2020 survey, 62% of respondents in this survey reported experiencing some degree of anxiety. 62%. Man, we know. We know. We can read statistics after statistics, and we know. It's clear to see that what we mutter matters. What you mutter in your home matters. Doesn't scripture say it? I mean, it's clear and evident that the power of tongue is life and death. God's wanting his nation to know and his followers to know what you mutter matters. It'll determine whether you have strength or whether you live in fear. It'll determine whether you have hope or whether you live in discouragement. And yet here we are, evidently, living in a society and a world where the majority of people, and especially with young people in our nation, are feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. And I can't help but to take some responsibility in this. Because didn't God instruct the nation for all time to impress these things on our children? And then I wonder how many children are out there or young people because they've never been taught the word of God and to what to mutter. When their friends come against them, when they feel alone in school or scenarios, when uh, doubts about their physical appearance begin to creep in. Have you taught them to mutter God's word? Man, just think about how many young people, and I think about this, and I, I can't help but to be broken over this. And I want to read a couple of other statistics about the body of Christ. This isn't just this church. This is just a, kind of a general, the body of Christ. A couple of surveys that were done. Fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospel accounts. I have a question. I don't need any answer. I just want you to think, can you name the four gospels? And if you can't, I'm pleading with you today, not just so you can pass a test, but why not? What is taking your time that you don't even know the four Gospels? One of my personal big battles over the past few months that the Lord has been putting in my heart, where I am, just, just where I am, I have nothing, I have a little bit of statistics, I think, to back this up, and I think it seems to be true. But my greatest concern for the local church is biblical illiteracy. People showing up to churches all over and yet really don't know how to mutter it. You go and you listen to it and you hear it. But I said it last week, I'll say it again. 
One act of obedience of God is better than listening to a thousand sermons. It doesn't matter how many sermons you've listened to. It doesn't matter how good the preacher is if you don't just take whatever the person says and do it. Not what I say, but what I'm teaching through God's word. Do you know this word? There's a tragedy in our world, and I think part of it is we don't take time to actually study this and meditate on this, to mutter it, to memorize as much as we possibly can. This is God's command to this nation. 60% of Americans cannot name five of the Ten Commandments. I have a question. I challenge you today. Do you know all Ten Commandments by memory? If you don't, why not? I'm not mad. And this is not an anger. This is not a, a rebuking Sunday. This isn't time to rebuke. This is time to encourage you. You must. It's like, just so you pass it. No, not just for religion's sake. But so when the enemy comes around you in your life, you can stand firm on the word of God and fight with your weapon, the sword. Which some of you right now are like, huh? Ephesians 6, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. This is what we fight with. Matthew 4 is what Jesus used to fight off the enemy in the wilderness. And we must know the word. 82% of Americans believe that God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. Just in case, I'm not making fun of you, by the way. I believe that there's some, maybe even in our own community right here, we're like, it's not? Don't be so deceived and believe everything you hear. Test the spirits is what the scripture says. Know this so that you know whatever you're hearing, if it's true or not true. You will believe just about everything I say, which is scary. Just because the pastor says it doesn't make it true. Test it. Over 50% of graduating high school seniors thought Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. And I know it's, it's, it's laughter. And, and I could keep going. Actually, they did another study of this study that 12% of people, of, Americans, of adults in America, thought that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. That's not a joke. And I, and I know that, like, I, I heard that and I did. I laughed. I was, you but then it broke my heart. question. What are you muttering? What are you muttering? Chances are we, we, we mutter all kinds of things. Are you, we mutter worry. We, we mutter worry. Are you muttering worry? What are you muttering? Chances are some of you are muttering worry all day long and then you wonder why you're worried. And yet God is speaking to his church and he's saying, begin to mutter my words. Matthew 6. Do not worry. Do not worry, Lord. You said, don't worry. You said, don't worry. You said, don't worry. And you take care of me, provide me. See first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and everything else will be given to me. What are you muttering? 
Are you muttering worry? Stop. Mutter God's word. It will remove the fear and discouragement. It will remove the worry. When you place your hope back in God and you recognize who he is and how he comes through every single time, he never leaves you, never forsakes you. What are you muttering? Are you muttering, complaining? Is it all day long just complaining? Is it constant complaining? I propose to you, stop the complaining. If you just, it's just going to grow a, a root of bitterness. All day long, complain on the job. Complain, 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 complain. Get home from work, complain, complain, complain. Muttering, muttering. All the way home, driving in the car. And just muttering. What are you muttering? We do this all the time. Am I the only one who talks to myself sometimes? Just muttering stuff. Man, just consider what you're muttering today. Maybe you're muttering fear, discouragement, muttering anger, unforgiveness. My encouragement to you today is if you would just take time, just, just, just take time to mutter the right things. And I encourage you with this sentence, if you have time to complain, if you have time to mutter complain, if you have time to mutter worry, if you have time to mutter fear, if you have time to mutter doubt, if you have time to mutter anything at all, can I just remind you of a truth? Then you have time to mutter God's word. Can I say that again? Please, hear me. If you have time to, to worry, you have time to mutter God's word. If you have time to complain, you have time to mutter God's word. Have any of you complained this week? Please, raise your hand. Show me I'm not alone. Just please. Like, okay, I'm not alone. Then you have time to mutter God's word. And be content in all situations. So just think and consider for a minute about these things that I'm sharing with you today. What are you muttering? I want to invite you to do what Joshua was told to do, begin to mutter God's word. I'd like to invite the prayer team down front, and the band is going to lead us in just a, a moment of a song, and all I'm going to invite you to do is ask God to help you to mutter the right things. And if you want somebody to pray with you this morning, we're here, we're down front. We're going to take the next minute or two. And if you're watching online, you can let us know that we can be praying with you. We want to be praying with you as well. Um, but if you want somebody to pray with you this morning, if you just need to take a moment right there, you can stay seated. It's fine. Uh, we're going to give you a minute and just begin to mutter God's word. Maybe you need to hold on to a verse. Um, and you just need to repeat that verse back in your mind again. Open up your Bible, highlight it or something, and Ask God to give you a verse to mutter. Maybe you just don't know of a Bible verse and you want to come down front, we'll help you find the right one. And you could mutter the things that God wants you to begin to mutter in your life. We'll give you just a minute to do that. And uh, our team is open. We'd love to pray with you today and then I'll make a few announcements and we'll be dismissed. There is power.
to you or hold on to you and if you have any ask me to repeat these uh, I'll be down front afterwards and I'll show them to you it says remember your promise to me it is my only hope maybe today you just you know I remember a promise that God gave you a promise of when you moved here a promise of what he was going to do through you I just need to be reminded of a promise today a promise that he gave you when you were a little girl or a promise that he gave your family and today you're just like, Lord, remind me of that promise. Can you just hold on to Psalm 119.49? Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. All week long, maybe you need to mutter that verse. Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Another uh, verse you might want to mutter this week. Psalm 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love your instructions. And I think about them all day long. And this is for you if you're a parent, maybe you're a business owner. But look at verse 98. Just hear, hear the word of the Lord speak this to you. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For they are my constant guide. Would you just mutter that? Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. They are my constant guide. When I don't know how to parent, your commands make me wiser. When I don't know how to lead, your commands make me wiser. When I follow your commands, they make me wiser. 
Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and it's a light for my path. I could do this all day long because I believe that as the word of God is spoken into your heart, like it takes root. Psalm 119, 73, you made me, you created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Maybe today you don't even know God and you don't even know his commands, but you know that you want to follow him. Look at Psalm 119, 73, mutter it. You made me, hear it. You made me, you created me. You made me, you created me. Now give me the sense to follow your commands. Psalm 19, 74. May all who fear you find me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. My hope is in your word. And I'm going to mutter that all week long. My hope is in your word. My hope is in you. You made me. You created me. You made me. You created me. When I feel down, you made me. You created me. You will never leave me. You never forsake me. Jesus, thank you for revealing your word to us, that we would know you better, that we would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.